I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. Travis, we're back again, brother. All right. Um, Vince and Travis are back. All right. All right. Uh, (laughs) It would be great if we just evolved into doing the entire song for the first four minutes of the of the podcast. I don't know if I'd pick that one, though. That wouldn't be the one to to do. I could. I could do it, I think. I think I know it well enough. Look, I think we could all. all It's a classic now, right? That's like that's like classic pop now. Well, that song is as old to us currently sitting here now listening to, uh, you know, to it as, uh, say, the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight was to us when we first heard Backstreet's Back Mm, the first time. Man, I I like Rapper's Delight. I really do. Sure. I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of time period we're talking. Stevie Wonder's Superstition was just like slightly older to us at that <laughs> we, time. Shut up, Vince. Shut up. What are we talking about? I rolled a thing on the table. It was number 83. What was that thing? Well, Travis, the this reason is a I'm talking about, about stuff these... like this. No, but see, it all segues, Travis. My oh, madness really? always has a method because what we're talking about, Travis, today is rose-colored glasses and looking back with nostalgia at your early career and games. So you see, Travis, my jaunt back in time was just setting the stage for our listeners to realize and just cast their mind back into the the way, way back times when they first picked up the game. Right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I'll go go ahead and talk about music stuff some more. (laughs) Let's just change the podcast. Let's let's talk about other stuff for a while. We're a music podcast now. No, I'd look. This is a fascinating topic to me. Because, and I'll tell you why. So here's the reason I wanted to talk about it, and I put this one on the list. Yeah, yeah. Why is this here? Because this, I didn't, I don't even remember remember reading this one. Um, and I think I I, I re I repurposed the table, so I don't know how I missed it, but it's there. It is there. Rose colored uh, glasses and looking back at your early career in games. So 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 are you saying that um, you're are you saying that we and, and I'm I'm saying as the the general we like everyone, uh, not just you and you and I, you and me. Um, look back at our games as better than they actually were or something? That is exactly what I'm saying, yes. I want to talk about being able to disambiguate nostalgia from mm. your brain. And, you know, we don't tend to remember things very well as humans. Like, human beings have quite fatally flawed memories, which is good. That's why we're all still sane, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a defense mechanism. But the at the same yes, time— Yes, otherwise we would all kill ourselves, I'm sure. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That would be the, that would be the end result. Yes. Uh, the 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 interesting thing to me about this phenomenon is a couple of years back, I became really interested in sort of my early career a, a, as a, as a gamer and player of these games. Yeah. And really thinking about what was the magic of those games and could I recapture it? That is a fool's errand. I should have listened to Don Henley when he said, you know, he saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Don't look back. You can never go back. Oh, my. The music references continue. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, what... I, I really liked I really liked your inflection on that, by the way. That's funny. Thank you. Um, OK, so so you're OK. So so you look back at, at your games and you were like, well, can I recapture that? And th- there was a big flaw in that. Right. You know, there was there something is. something wrong with it. And the problem was. They weren't good 
So I don't know if they really weren't good. It's almost impossible to say. Because of the flawed memory? Yes. I suspect they weren't good, (laughs) right? But when I I try to really rip those glasses off of my head and look back with the clearest eyes I can, what I see is that there were probably some good and interesting moments in them, certainly, because there's a reason why this became such a large part of my life over the last 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, there was a lot of elements that wasn't good, but it was pasted over. It was smoothed over by the uh, the ecstasy of discovery of the, the the first time you got a great moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So 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 you got Vaseline glasses for the rest of the time that mm-hmm. was literally just spent rolling dice over and over again and writing down numbers and you know calling out what spell you're casting and what you're attacking, you know, just, just hours and hours and hours of that to get to one really, truly interesting thing that was so good that you forgot that you just rolled dice and wrote numbers down for hours and hours and hours. Yes, because it was the first time in my life I had ever experienced such a thing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's what's really notable. There's this, I, I think about the sort of journey through your career as you play these games. And what's fascinating to me is you think about like the first time you ever met a bugbear and how scary it was or a hook horror or a you know insert your monster of choice here right mm-hmm. the first time you ever fought a dragon yeah the first time you ever got a staff of power right or whatever you know the first big bad evil guy that you confronted in his lair and defeated him you know these moments are the like it's unbelievable the first time you experience them and you realize the power uh, that the Dungeons and Dragons has or 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 any similar role playing game right i remember the first time playing mech warrior when i actually like fought another mech in combat like in the arena and i was like oh my god this is the coolest thing ever and i had played battletech before right yeah of course and yeah. I, so I had like, yeah, sure. So I had fought mechs, but the difference of having it in a role playing game, having it be my mech, having it be the crowd cheering and winning this combat where I had money on the line and reputation. And you know what I'm saying? Like, right. It certainly transcends any board game. Right. And I think that smooths over a lot of the, the, the frankly neophyte, uh, other things that you're probably doing and not realizing you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you're not actually telling stories that are that deep. You're not actually really experiencing your character as richly as you could or mm-hmm. or making choices that are as interesting as they could be, those sorts of things, right? Yeah, but, I know I know. in most of my early career, most of my early gaming career was spent dun- doing being the dungeon master. Like, I was, I was the guy... People went to, to 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 run the games, and so I did that. Um, I didn't actually play a bunch, and uh, I I remember specifically um, analyzing this earlier on. Okay, mm-hmm. I had I, I had thoughts about about this, like looking back at my games and things like that. Right. And and I noticed a trend because I was always as a GM just trying to fill the time until I got to the next great thing. It was it was it's just let's keep them keep them engaged enough until we get to the next great thing that I can come up with that will wow them, right? 
And then once once you get to that, once I would get to that next great big awesome whatever whatever would come to me because that's that's kind of how I, how I operate. I'm a it comes to me kind of person. Right, right. Um, and when when I hit that stroke of genius and something great happens in a game, um, it's elating and everyone's happy and the, you know it gets remembered for a long time that that awesome thing that happens. But then there's this this huge valley right after that peak. Okay, and that valley lasts a long time okay until you hit the next big peak yeah and and i like i I knew this a long time ago and so i started to get (laughs) i actually got better at bringing the valley up a little bit every time i thought about it and and analyzed it like you bring the valley a little bit higher a little bit higher a little bit higher it's a little little bit less uninteresting as you go um and i built on that and built on that until i had it streamlined pretty well between great ideas i could keep people interested because I knew how to work people rather than a game. Right, right. And so it's just, this is this is why I say it was a fool's errand, because when I was trying to recreate that stuff, like I went back, I, I, I tried lots of things, right? I stripped down the characters to level zero. Like literally I had people play yeah. level zero characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I stripped down the world to this the simplest sort of conception of what they could know. They knew their village and the surrounding countryside. Uh, or something in a game, you know, and that was it. Like it was a very small world. They didn't have this greater conception of the, you know, oh, over over in this continent that's seven thousand miles away. I know there's this. I know the entire monarchical structure of the uh, the empire of dragon lords. And I'm like, wait, what? Why would that ever be relevant to you, twenty one year old person from the a village in the middle of nowhere? Um, I ran old adventures. Like I pulled out some of the oldest adventures I had run back when I first started, right? And ran them again. Okay. Uh, to see if, like, well, maybe there's something really magical about these adventures. Okay, you you had to find out that, like, the most of those adventures were not great, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness, are they not Because great. I knew, like, this is something I knew back in the day. Like, I knew the adventures were bad. That's why, that's why I went off book so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did use them as, like, nuggets of beginnings. Like, just, just use it as a stepping stone, right? Right. Um, oh, absolutely. But they were bad. They were not really good at really good adventures. They to me, when I go back and look at look at the even like the old just the old published uh, modules and stuff, I they, they read to me like a choose your own adventure book rather than some some kind of creatively interesting story. You know what I mean? Um, yes. They, it's just like PC goes here or here. And this is what happens if that happens. Uh, fight these things, fight these things, get the item, beat the last bad guy, save the village. Okay, we're done. Like, it, it was so, it was so tired. <laughs> like, they're, they're not great. Yeah, I think there are a few notable exceptions. So we should just state that because we don't, we're not there trying are, to cast not dispersions on bad. all. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. I, I, I try really hard to not use hyperbole. I'm sorry. I, I went there. No, you're okay. Because it's, it's, look, it's so close that you could almost say it's, it's, it's a lot. But, like, I would call out things like, uh, do you remember the Randall Morn trilogy, the Daggerdale trilogy, sort where of. you were trying to get him back on the throne? That one's actually pretty solid mm-hmm. because it was so much more political and it had lots of elements of, like, spycraft and infiltration and characters and double motivations and backstabbing. Like, yeah, it was a very— very, very well, yes. Yeah, it was very dynamic by the standards of the time, right? There weren't— there weren't a lot of a lot of adventures were exactly what you're describing, right? Like you need to go get a thing so you can kill the thing so you can save the thing. <laughs> okay, got it. Check. Yep. You know, like that's it's like a Mad Libs was a lot of this original stuff. But 
so so I I understand completely what you're saying, and I think that yes, I certainly one I realized that the old adventures were oof, a lot of them were rough, rough, and I found myself doing a lot of like improvised jazz where I'm looking at music in front of me, but I'm just like mm-hmm. adding extra notes and stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm going back on myself now, and I'm trying, and I, in my head I'm thinking, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, but is there anything wrong with that? Maybe I maybe I'm I'm being too harsh. Some people love that stuff. I mean, there are there are entire gaming companies, you know, devoted to bringing back that feeling of of what we just described there. Um, you know, like like bringing back like like early first edition modules and basic Dungeons and Dragons kinds of modules and things of that nature that are very kind of simple. Um, a lot of fighting, a lot of, you know, find this thing, beat this guy, save this person kind of stuff. Yeah. And is there anything wrong with enjoying that? No. No. Um, it's just not no. what I look for anymore, personally, as a gamer. Agreed. Totally agree. So I'm going back on what I said. Sorry. Well, and by the way, you can do that in an interesting way. See, you I don't can. know. I Like, here's what I'll say, okay? Let me let me take this into, into, into movies for a second real quick, because I'll see if I can make this a, a relevant sure. thing. Well, we start with music. Let's, let's let's finish it with movies. Sure. So take like big summer popcorn blockbuster movies. Okay. Right? Okay. So you can you can have versions of those movies that are just bad because they're poorly constructed, rote, tropey, and you have no investment in the characters. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not the thing itself that's bad because you can also have good versions of that, like. Yeah, you Terminator. can have Fast and the Furious, and then you can have Fast and the Furious 2. Too sure. Fast and Furious. Well, look, look, take Terminator 2, for example, right? So T2. Yeah. T2 is a pretty simple movie. It's a lot of action. It's a lot of, you know, whatever. It's about it's about a robot action, from the future. and so forth, yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of dumb, goofy one-liners and stuff like that. But I still would submit, and I stand behind the fact that Terminator 2 is, in fact, a great movie. A because great movie. Yes, I recently watched it. It's fantastic still. You actually end the movie caring and feeling emotion for a murder robot. About a turbo killer, yes. Something yes. That, that spent the movie previous just murdering everyone in sight. Right, right, exactly. It's, it's incredible, right? And are you Sarah Connor? Boom! Are you Sarah Connor? Boom! Yeah, just kill, kill, kill. Yes. And you like this guy, you know? Yeah. Now, it's part a, of that uh, is certainly Arnie's charisma. But part of that is also just the well-constructed nature of that movie, that they bring you around to him. It's a simple story. It's a popcorn movie, but it's that thing mm-hmm. done right. So you can do those like you have to find X. You have to go to X to find Y to stop or achieve yeah. Z. You can do that in a right. good you can, way. You can, you can do John Wick. You can make John Wick and it be a good great experience. Example. It's a great example. Yes. Um, even though even though it is it, it has it follows all of the classic action movie beats that are tired. You can do it and and not feel tired. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand what. You're so to me, what's fascinating is what I discovered was after after experimenting and trying all of these different methods, is that it wasn't the character, it wasn't the you know the the level, it wasn't the presence or absence of certain races or classes. You know, you can add in a bunch of new races or take down. I tried both ways, right? Like yeah. add in a bunch of new stuff. Strip it down to bare bones. So mm-hmm. it's your, your choices are like human, elf, dwarf, halfling. Yeah, I did some very similar experimentation too early on. Yeah. Yeah. And and none of that mattered because you just what made that early part of your career great, what what 
puts the rose colored filter over us, the happiness, the joy that we felt was because so many things for so long were new and and yeah. new things, just new experiences have a, a, a utility all their own. Yeah, you get to taste pizza for the first time a lot of times. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, look, the, the, I've, I've traveled around. I've been lucky enough in my life to travel around some. The first time I was, say, you know, in London and saw the things you would think of that you think of when, of, when you think of London, right? Uh, you're, I was like, whoa, those are really cool. Okay. But I've been back to London many, many times for business, like many times a year for the past several years. And now I see those things and I'm like, yep, that's that thing. That's it's just it's there. Just, it's, it's just, just like the corner store on your street. You know, it's it like, okay, that's always there. Register. Right. Right. Um, and so like, there's a, there's that utility, that shininess wears away. Right. And, and yep. you have to discover the deeper experience of, uh, of, of what's really important or there or to discover to happen. And that's where you get to the real meat of it, which to me is the one thing that can never wear out in the game because it is always new is the singular emotional journey of your character combined with the emotional journeys he's on with the rest of that group mm. and the people they encounter in the world. That sort of, that sort of those concentric rings, right? Yep. That, that sounds exactly the way that I would think nowadays. Sure. Because I, I do, I do think it takes, it takes some time to get to that, that kind of a headspace though, for sure. You have to, you have to go through enough to realize that that's what, what's actually making everything great. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm not sure I would want you to try to start there, right? Right. You still you deserve to try all that pizza. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay to be a tourist for a little while and enjoy the big crazy tourist sites and be amazed the first time you see a dragon. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I think that's perfectly legit. Like that's super cool. So if you're in that phase of your role playing, you're or you're 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 you know getting into the hobby. Look, D and D. Or has, gaming, as in general, because part of part of it's also the gamey aspects of things. People yeah. people get focused on that for a while too, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. It's fun, and it, do it as long as you enjoy it. And then once you're done with that, the, the the wonderful thing about these games is there's more to enjoy after that. You know. Yes. 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 There's always the the, the well continues to go deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, recently in the past couple of years. D&D &D especially, but the the, the larger role-playing uh, community has really exploded, right? The presence of things like Twitch and mm -hmm. online sharing of games and Critical Role and stuff like that has, has really blown this world up and wide open, and it's become much more mainstreamed, and a lot of people are getting into it and realizing that it's, that it's an incredible experience, and that's great. And all of those people who just started are likely in that phase yeah. where they're getting their game, their, their experience empowered by that newness, right? Of like, oh my God, I can do this thing. I can experience this thing, you know? Um, I can do anything, like hey, anything. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that you're not- You get to travel to London for the first time every time you walk into a new city in a D&D &D world, you know? It's great. Right. What's interesting? Right. What's new here? Let's Let's find out. Let's go look, you know? You meet some new people, you see some new monsters, and oh, you find Stubber out what's some new magic, you know? Yes, you find out what's cool about them and kill them. You know, standard stuff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Home invasion, right. Home invasion, murder, and theft, correct. Um, the, 
what I would say is, is that I think what I learned from that journey that I went on, in addition to to sort of what I just said about, you know, the, the heart of it is the character, is that you can do all of that in any type of setting or adventure or world as long as it's well constructed in the microcosm of your group and your characters, right? So as a GM, I focus a lot less on those ephemeral qualities that don't actually matter to people's enjoyment. You know, I kept kept trying to get to that. What was the magic recipe? What was the secret thing I knew then that I felt like I had lost now, right? And how can I recreate that for my players? I was really looking at it from a from a GM perspective. And what I realized that, no, 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 dum-dum, the, the secret wasn't any of those other ephemeral traits. The secret is and always has been you as a GM crafting this bespoke experience, bringing your characters in, drawing their, their, their emotional connection to your NPCs, to the world that they meet, mm-hmm. to the stakes, right, and making them give a crap about that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, to me. It's always been about understanding the person and the people. You have to understand and understand your players better than anything else. That's always that's it's certainly always been the way I've looked at things. Once I've got out of the dark ages of my my GMing past, um, I, I learned I learned that as long as you can entertain your your friends the right way and you know what each one of them likes, what them what they don't like, you 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 start to learn more about what could you know expand that experience for them in the future. You can figure out what they might like and what you you might experiment with in the next game so that's that's kind of where where i got to when i like as i said before i examined this myself a long time ago um and that's that's what i what i came to like and 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 i was happy with it like at that point and allowed me to gm for many many years after that um successfully yeah i i completely agree and i think if there was sort of a lesson right if i was going to actually turn this this episode into, into something actionable for people listening sure is there be, anything undesigny about this <laughs> like, yeah 100 percent. because here's what i would say here's here's the rubber meets the road part of this right which is focus less on i see a lot of gms try to create these massive sweeping worlds and like dump countless hours into mm. the coolness of their world or like into defining every little corner and culture and religion and blah 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 okay fine if you if you really enjoy that kind of creation do it that's cool have a good time i'm not gonna I'm not gonna yuck your yum but like i see people doing that or i see people like really 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 trying to like ha- understand you know they'll, they'll buy a book a book adventure there's lots of those now it's very popular right lots of people make book adventures now and they'll buy the book adventure and they'll really try to like learn the plot and have it internalized and really understand the every every single encounter and moment in the mm-hmm. story. And I would say focus a lot less on that stuff and focus a lot more on working to craft your players, the people who are their their characters, right? Work together collaboratively to decide who are these people, what do they want? And make sure that's being actively spoken to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, and there's by a good the way, chance none of them are ever going to travel to London in this in this game. So why right. why are you spending so much time detailing London, bro? Exactly. When you when your game's going to take place in in uh, you know Saigon or something, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere uh, else. Yeah, and so I think that. And by the way, when I say make sure you're focusing on it, I wanted those words to be very. I chose those words very carefully 
because I didn't mean make sure you're constantly rewarding them or giving them cookies or something mm. that they want. G- focusing on it can also mean frustrating their goals, yes. moving them farther away from them, causing Doing, them pain. Giving them huge consequences, uh, you know, just problems, yes. Yes, or allowing them to get the things they want to get, but then having it have un, you know, undesirable circumstances. Yes, yes. Yeah. When you pack in that kind of nuance, that kind of layering, that is to me, that is the thing that I wasn't seeing when I went down this road. That is, in fact, the secret to that to to how to really have sustained, interesting, uh, compelling games. Right. Mm-hmm. That 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 track. It's so. interesting. I, as a side note, I, I like when you're talking about how people sp- spend all this time writing these big campaign settings and stuff. I think a lot of that is unfortunately they see a big campaign setting and what someone who publishes one has to go through to make it right. Yeah. And they think they have to do it that way. Like they think they have to make that, they have to make an actual full, fully actualized campaign, like a box set, you know, Yeah, yeah. to, to actually have, you have it and say, this is my world or whatever. You don't need all that. That's all I would say. You don't need all that. Um, but that's a side note. So uh, rose colored glasses, looking back at your early career in games, I think, Yes, do that. As GMs, as players, do that. Look back at your early games again without the glasses, okay? And yeah. learn from what you what 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 you liked, what you didn't like, what your friends liked, what they didn't like, uh, what worked and what didn't, and actually analyze what happened so that you so that you can grow further in the future, right? A hundred percent. And make sure you're understanding what you can replicate. And what you can't, right? You'll never be able to replicate that true sense of discovery for your players. Even if you make your world really weird or the races you you have to choose from the classes really, really weird, you'll never be able to completely replicate that. Because at this point, if your players are 10 or 20 or 30 years in like us, we've seen all the tropes. We know all the tricks. That stuff is, that becomes a passing fancy. It's cotton candy. You put it in your mouth and a few seconds later, it's gone, right? You've got to get to the deeper stuff and understand what that stuff was good. Yeah, agreed. I think that's undesigned, my friend. Go deep. It's undesigned. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. As always, you can find everything, uh, all the rest of the stuff I do on YouTube under a channel my own name, Vincent Venturella. I don't know uh, anything else. <laughs> give us a, a rating or review on iTunes. We certainly appreciate that. It probably does something But we thank you very much for listening to this one. And as always, we'll talk to you next time.